Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And after a day away at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, the Underground Lounge, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio on this Tuesday, on this Thanksgiving week Tuesday. And before I jump into any of the show today, just give you a little bit of a heads up. We will be off on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. We'll be here tomorrow. Well, one of the two of us will be here tomorrow. And I'm not talking about me not being here. One, Damon Cotton, who uh, has been working his backside off, definitely deserves a little bit of uh, R&R, a little time away and some catch-up time with the fam. So he'll be out tomorrow, and you'll be out through uh, basically the whole rest of the week, right? Yeah, today's the last day, so enjoy me while you got me, Raider Nation. <laughs> there it is. Enjoy him while you got him. But uh, we'll be here tomorrow, and uh, we'll be off on Thursday and then back at it on Friday, and I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll give you that location a little bit later on in the show, but uh, just a little programming notes there. But here we go, man another week uh, starting to turn the page going to do that a little bit early since we are off on Thursday normally we don't start turning the page to the next opponent until Wednesday but that's because we have Wednesday Thursday and Friday to talk about the next opponent so what we're going to do is go today tomorrow and Friday we'll talk about the next opponent which of course is the Seattle Seahawks that are playing some good ball you know when the season started and they had Drew Locke and Geno Smith I laughed and thought, okay, that's going to be the number one overall pick, or they're going to at least try to get the number one overall pick, get one of the young quarterbacks. And here you go, Geno Smith is having a career year, and they're six and four tied at uh, the, the top of the NFC West with the 49ers who picked up a victory on Monday Night Football. So we're going to start turning the page to the Seahawks, and we'll start doing that today. Coming up at two thirty, Curtis Crabtree, Fox thirteen, Seattle, also Sports Radio KJR uh, works alongside with Softy, and I know Softy was on with the JT talking about the Seahawks. So uh, good stuff right there. We'll start turning the page at 2.30 while we talk to Curtis Crabtree talking all things Seattle Seahawks at 3 o'clock. Our normal Tuesday guest John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610. Uh, it's always a good time to catch up with John McClain, talk all things NFL, talk about the Raiders, talk about you know just everything that's going on You know, especially now that it's getting down to the second half of the season. I like to say the second half, but I mean it's less than half a season left. I mean the Raiders have seven games left. I mean that's that's this season has gone by really fast. I say it all the time, but man, all of a sudden you're looking up and you're talking about week 12 action and okay, <laughs> where did that go? How quickly did that go? But here's where we are. So uh, we'll talk to John McClain coming up at three o'clock. Then at four o'clock, our normal Tuesday guest as well, Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders radio broadcast, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the Silver and Black. He'll join us at four o'clock talking about what he saw. On Sunday, as the Raiders picked up that victory against the Denver Broncos, and man, I'll tell you, uh, Lincoln joins us every Tuesday and Thursday, and he gets excited about. Well, he wants to get excited and talk about victories, and he always says, "Just give me a victory, just give me a win, right?" And I remember that last conversation we had with him last Thursday, uh, you know, talking about heading to Denver and what he was expecting and uh, how the Raiders could come out with a W. They get that, but that call that he had, and I know you played it on the show on Monday, he was so fired up about that walk-off win for the Silver and Black. Oh, yeah, and I just love it with Lincoln. Like you said, like coming off of a win, I know you already do the Raiders roundtable with him early in the day, so you have like a sense of how he's feeling. But just the entire game, because I was here running the boards for that game, mm -hmm. like the, the tackle I played from Denzel Perryman where he cuts off Jason. Oh, like, yeah, I had to yeah. jump in front of you there. Yeah. He just seemed fired up about the entire game. Yeah, no doubt. And it's funny because we did do the Raiders roundtable today. It was JT, Jason Horowitz, and myself. So uh, Jason Horowitz, he was uh, pinch hitting for Lincoln Kennedy, so I was kind of concerned not knowing if Lincoln was going to be on the show. I thought maybe he was 
traveling. So as soon as me and JT and uh, Jason wrapped that uh, the the. Uh, the the round table up. I, I text Lincoln. I was like, "Hey man, are you good for today?" <laughs> you know, I just oh, wanted okay. to, oh, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. And he immediately hit me back like a couple seconds later. Yeah, I'm good. I was like, "Okay, good." Woo. So yeah, exactly. So uh, I was a little concerned at first, uh, not knowing, like I said, if if Lincoln was traveling or not. But he's not, so he'll be on the show. And again, he's our normal Tuesday and Thursday guest at four o'clock. Lincoln Kennedy will join the show to talk about the victory and start to turn the page and start looking forward to the Seattle Seahawks. And of course, we won't get him on Thursday because well, Thursday is Thanksgiving, and I'm not sure if he's going to be available on Friday. He might be traveling, so we'll kind of do it all in one. We'll see. We'll put him on the spot while we're on the air and ask him, hey man, you going to join us on Friday? <laughs> That's the best way to get it done. Just ask him on the air. <laughs> I wonder how fast the no's going to come. Right, right. He's going to be like, nah, Q, man, like... Thanksgiving week, I got a lot to do. And look, I get it. I mean, it's it's tough times uh, around this time of year to get people, uh, you know, to be able to do stuff all the time because they got so much other stuff going on and there's family coming to town or whatever the case may be. It's the holiday time. So you got to be able to make adjustments. So uh, if Lincoln's able to join us on Friday, great. If he's not, that's okay too. We'll get him today for sure. So Curtis Crabtree at 2.30, John McClain at 3, and then Lincoln Kennedy, uh, he rounds out our guest lineup at 4 o'clock. Uh, already looking forward to tomorrow, starting to line up some guests for tomorrow's show too. So uh, looking forward to that. But before we can get tomorrow we definitely got to do today so uh, let's go ahead with that being said jump into the opening drive the opening drive of unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio 920 is brought to you by southern nevada chevy dealers home of the chevy silverado the strongest most advanced silverado ever so on monday we did an appreciation show where we really were talking about the guys that i thought really stood up and made uh, big time differences in the game on sunday against the denver broncos talked about max crosby talked about daniel carlson uh, of course Devonte adams did as well but i mean he's not a homegrown guy but i was really showing love to the home homegrown cast, even though we did, you know, talk Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. We did that with George Takata. Uh, we talked to Luke Robinson, talking all things Josh Jacobs, and then we were also able to talk to Coach Judd Thrash, talking Max Crosby. But I really today wanted to kind of focus in on Josh Jacobs. I really want to focus in on Josh Jacobs because I do believe that he has made it difficult for the Raiders to, to, to really come up with a decision. Like, I believe the Raiders had a game plan going into the season on – Multiple things when it came to the running back position. One, how they were going to use their running backs. We all said it was going to be running back by committee. I truly, to this day, still believe that was the plan, the original plan. Josh Jacobs made the Raiders change that plan. I mean, again, this guy has 930 yards rushing. The second leading rusher is Derek Carr with 67 yards. So Josh Jacobs really has not come off the field. I think the next leading rusher... Maybe, maybe Derek has 15 carries. I think after that, the actual running backs has like eight. Amir, uh, Zamir White has eight. I believe that's what Jason Horwood said today when we were doing our Raider Roundtable. I think Zamir White has eight carries on the season, and he's the second leading rusher as far as running back goes for the team. And now I know Derek Carr has the most yards, but that's, I mean, that's not something that he designed. That's, that's you know, just him, you know, making a, or trying to make a play. So I think that Josh Jacobs has really changed the idea of what the Raiders had, what, Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, what the plan was going into the season. They also declined his fifth-year option. That's well-documented. We talked about that a lot. They also played him in you know, the Hall of Fame game, right? And what was the conversation coming out of the Hall of Fame game? Oh, the Raiders are trying to trade him. They're trying to trade him. They're trying to trade him. Whatever the case was, Josh McDaniels said that they wanted to make sure he got calloused up a little bit, get a little bit of you know, burn in the, in the Hall of Fame game. He didn't really do much the rest of the preseason. It was really just that game. Whatever the plan was at some point changed. 
And I don't even think that the plan was to go heavy Josh Jacobs even at the beginning of the season. Remember, he wasn't getting that many carries for one reason or the other. The Raiders were getting behind. They had to throw the ball a lot. Or it just wasn't part of the game plan because, well, they were still trying to figure things out. Somewhere along the line, Josh Jacobs has let it be known by his action on the field, hey, I could be your guy. I could be the dude. Give me the rock. And you see what happens when Josh Jacobs gets the ball. Good things happen. In the Denver game, he was the only running back to run the ball. And that was one of those stats that, you know, he obviously had a great game, but that put a smile on my face because in the Jaguars game, I'll take it back to that, when Zamir White had that carry in the third quarter, first one of the game, right. you know, it's 2017, and they say on the TV broadcast, hey, this is only his fifth carry of the season. Right. And that was almost like, a, you know, it's almost like a jinx where hey, he hasn't missed a field goal or a free throw yeah, in so yeah, many yeah. times. Yeah, you, like, you know about yeah, that. Exactly. I wanted to take it away from myself. That's why I added a free throw. <laughs> but when it's just, oh, this is only his fifth carry of the season, and it's a negative one loss you know he gets stuffed in the backfield and that was for me just hey Zamir White he could be the future he could be the greatest of all time when it's all said and done right but for right now this season right here I only want Josh Jacobs running the ball right right that's the thing and I I like Zamir White I think that he's going to be a really good running back and I remember having this conversation about a month ago Adam Hill myself Vinny Bonsignor we were all talking in the media room there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and I don't remember who it was they said do you think that Zamir White is having the same success that Josh Jacobs would have right now. And I remember Adam Hill saying, well, yeah, because the blocking's doing, you know, really well. So he's getting behind the blockers and he's running really strong. And I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But then I thought about it a little bit longer. You know, you get caught up in the moment sometimes and, you know, you got your homeboy <laughs> hyping you up. And I was like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, hell no. And that's not a disrespect to Zamir. That's actually a credit to Josh because he's just doing things that are next level. He's doing things where even if he should get hit in the backfield, and sometimes he does, he's still finding a way to, you know, get yards, fall forward. I mean, he's just doing, he's just showing, showing who he could be. And so I think that that's extra special. So the question I want to throw out there, and then we're going to hear a couple little sound bites, but I want to hear from you as well. 702-365-9200, also the text line at 69187, keyword R&R. At this point of the, uh, of the game, I mean, he's 70 yards away from 1,000 yards. They've played 10 games. 10. That's it. He's third in the league right now in rushing. Started out the game on, on Sunday in fifth. Now he's third in rushing in the NFL. Only Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley is in front of him. And Derrick Henry has like, what, 80-something more carries than Josh? Saquon has about 30 more carries. So he's getting it done in a lot less attempts. Not saying he's better than Derrick Henry. Not saying, you know, I'm not, I don't even care. You could put him, like we had to call her yesterday, where would you put Josh Jacobs? I said top five. I, I think if, you put, if you're top five at anything, you're really stinking good, right? Josh Jacobs is showing how good he is and what he means to this Raiders team. But right now he's sitting third in the NFL in rushing. 930 yards, he has seven touchdowns on the season, has put in a couple hundred yards receiving as well. Don't, don't forget about that. Don't forget about that element as well. He's put in a couple hundred yards receiving. He's like second or third on the team. And receiving, I think he's like third. I'm not. Uh, you don't quote me on it, but he's at least you know top three, top four when it comes to receiving yards on the Raiders as well. So there's that. So for anyone who you know talks about, oh, he's not really that great of a receiver out of the backfield. He's been doing that, and he's continuing to do that. So the question I throw out there to you, Raider Nation, again, I want to hear from you. What do you believe the Raiders do with Josh Jacobs following this season? We've had people call in and say, "Q franchise him," and I was like, "Nah, it's not going to happen." Now, at this point, I honestly think all bets are off, right? I tell you all the time, Damon. sometimes I'll say something, and sometimes I'll be proven wrong, and I'll come back and say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. 
I'm not saying I'm going to be wrong about them franchising them, but if they did at this point, I wouldn't even blame them, right? I mean, I didn't think that it made any sense to decline his fifth-year option and then go ahead and franchise him, but this is a guy you might not want to let get away. Yeah, but with the franchise, you, the, he they, he would be paid. He would get paid more money than if they would have just picked up. The I, understand. I understand. So, they, they can make mistakes too, <laughs> right? I feel like with the front <laughs> office, if you're gonna, I wouldn't say franchise him because it looks like you're hustling backwards. If you know, if you so in, this, in this case, you might be though. You might so be if hustling you backwards. Sign him to a deal, or you know, I'm not saying admit that you made a mistake, right? But you know, it's it's almost, sometimes you know, admitting that you made a mistake is okay, <laughs> right? And if you have to go ahead and franchise him, that that's a credit to him. Hey, that's what he's earned. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I'm also not as confident that it's not going to happen as I was, say, a month ago or maybe even a month and a half ago. Because at, at one point I was very convinced. I still think it would be probably the last line of defense. You know what I mean? I think that would be the last. That would be almost like break a, you know, in case of emergency break glass. I think that that's what that would be. But I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out. So I want to know, what do you think the Raiders should do with Josh Jacobs? What do you believe the plan moving forward should be and why? 702-365-9200. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. That is a text line. Got a bunch of texts coming through already. Uh, got a text from the 925. Fifth-year option would be cheaper, LOL. You're not wrong. <laughs> got another text. Do the Raiders pay Jacobs or let him walk and get a third-round compensatory pick for 2024 draft? Potentially, right? I mean, again, that's why I'm throwing it out there to you. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there to you to see what you think that they should do. Because, again, as I had the show yesterday about appreciation, sometimes it's okay to sit back and appreciate what is right here and what is proving he wants to be right here. How many players do you see across the league that are malcontents? And you're like, oh, man, that dude's itching to get out of there, right? You see Brandon Cooks in Houston wants nothing to do with being there, was hoping he was going to get traded by the deadline. It didn't happen. He wants nothing to do with being in Houston. You know what Josh Jacobs wants? He wants to be here in Vegas. That's what I do know. I know that for a fact. I might not have all the answers, but I got that answer. Yeah. I know he wants to be here. So many players are thinking Debo Samuel in the offseason. Right. Didn't want to be. I was Trying like, to hustle his way out of exactly. San Fran. Christian McCaffrey, he didn't want to be in Carolina. He got moved. Right? So many players, when they're not happy, the first thing they do is start pouting. I mentioned it yesterday. Take their ball and we'll go home. Trade me. Trade me. I don't want to be here. You're not Go to Twitter. Right. right. Go to Twitter. Scrub Twitter. Scrub, scrub all the all your, your team colors off. Kyler Murray, he ended up pouting getting a contract. And now what? He ain't even playing. His team, you want to talk about a mess. That's a mess. I want to talk about another mess. I know this is another <laughs> okay. conversation. This ain't got nothing to do with Josh Jacobs. Go off. But every once in a while, I do just that. That whole situation in New York with Zach Wilson and the Jets Absolute mess. I can't think of the receiver, but they had a receiver earlier this yes. year talking about getting Elijah out of here. Moore wanted to get the hell out of there. Denzel Mims wanted to get the hell out of there, and they're winning. And they wanted to get the hell out of there. Now they want to get rid of their quarterback. They're hoping that he falls down the stairs or something, right? I mean, like <laughs> they don't want nothing to do with him. And I know that that's a totally different subject, but it's kind of funny when East Coast teams like New York get so much attention, so much love when things are going good. Then also things are going bad. It's like boom. You know, I'm hearing Bart Scott this morning just, like, lose his mind. I can't wait till they sit Zach Wilson. I was like, damn. It's gone from sugar to you know what real quick. Joe Flacco's right there. Right, that's what he's calling for. <laughs> Joe Flacco. I was like, oh, my goodness. Joe Flacco's the savior. Like, Derek Carr's tuning in like, well, <laughs> it's refreshing to hear someone else's name besides mine. I'll tell you. I, I was like, man, 
At least the players ain't doing like the players in, in New York are doing. You know, the Jets, they don't even want they don't even want the cat to take the field. You know, Joe Flacco throws a, a, a more catchable ball, actually. I heard a, this was like back during like the preseason. I remember. Yeah. I remember. I, all I remember, and I'll get back on track after this, I remember that, uh, that celebration in the Raiders locker room following the game. Those cats were chanting, DC, 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 DC. You don't hear nobody in New York chanting, Zach, Zach, Zach. They're like, Zach, get your ass in the back. Do you think you should let the defense down? No. Right. I they, that, that was the beginning of the end right there. To- total mess, Just man. no? Okay. That's a total mess, and that's a train wreck. So, I, I, like I said, I don't mean to try to bring someone else's, uh, you know, bad luck, bad juju, or, or their garbage to the table and to the conversation. But I just I started talking about a mess, and also, that's the first thing I thought of between the Cardinals and the Jets. Man, there's a lot of mess going on. So, again, let me throw it out there to you, 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. Want to know what you think the Raiders do with Josh Jacobs or should do with Josh Jacobs moving forward. Before we get to your calls and your texts, Josh McDaniels, we met with him on Monday and he was asked about Josh Jacobs and really how effective and how important he's going to be the rest of the season with Hunter Renfro out right now, with Darren Waller out right now. It's the Devontae and Jacobs show as far as I'm concerned. That's who it is, right? Of course, you mix in a little bit of Foster. You mix in a couple of other cats. But really, it's the Devontae and Jacobs show. Here's Coach McDaniels talking about Josh Jacobs, how great it is to have him and the plan moving forward. He's uh, very valuable. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's a really, really good player um and in every aspect um and the the i have said this before but i to me one of the most impressive things about him is he never asks to come out of the game and i've 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 coached for a while and um you know that's a tough position to play and never come out you know because you're getting hit a lot and you get banged around and guys are falling on you and you know all the rest of it and um, he's got this incredible football endurance um, about him, and uh, he just he he runs in there, he takes a bunch of hits. He doesn't even look to the sideline, and uh, it took me honestly, it took me a few weeks to get used to that because you know you're you're normally thinking like you know you're going to be subbing backs you know quite quite honestly pretty regularly. And um, I'm used to that from my recent past where we used a lot of different backs. But this guy just gives you such a high level of confidence in him and never never appears to be winded or tired. And, uh, and honestly, I think it's better as the game goes on, you know. So um, he's a, we're really fortunate to have this guy. He's a, he's a really good football player. So there you go. You hear Josh McDaniels right there talking about what he's used to is running back by committee. What he's not used to is a guy like Josh Jacobs who doesn't want to come off the field and is going to take every single snap. So that was the head coach. What about the offensive coordinator who uh, Mick Lombardi talked to, along with uh, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator? They talked today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I did not get to be there for that. But here's Coach Lombardi talking about Josh Jacobs and, and what he thinks of him. Oh, man, Josh Jacobs. You know, it's just funny. I was actually talking to my wife about this on Sunday night. Um, you know, she's Because obviously as a football wife, she's – she has her, her, her critiques as well at postgame. Um, um, but Josh has really grown into one of, my, you know, one of my favorite players on the team, not because, you know, obviously because the person he is and all that kind of thing, but just because you can see that he exudes the love of football. You know, he, he just, he's a football playing, just old school, wants to get the ball downhill, and wants the ball. You know, I just – you give him a new thing, and he takes full advantage of it and just wants to go and go and go and go and go, and it's all ball. And is very smart, can take coaching, wants to be Coach Hart. Coach Kennedy is on him nonstop on the, on the sidelines at practice about anything, whether it's ball security, run reads, whatever it is. 
And, you know, I think he's done a great job of taking the coaching and, you know, just his ability to kind of just want to get better and continue to play and take everything and whatever his role is. It's been really, uh, really fun to watch him grow in this offense. So Josh is really um, like all those running backs. I mean, gosh dang, you know, Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, I mean, Zamir White and Britton Brown, those guys work really hard and they they're really a tight knit group. It's really fun to watch them watch them work. They might be a tight knit group, but they ain't getting on the field too often, <laughs> right? I mean, just straight up again, and that's a credit to Josh Jacobs. That has nothing to do with Brandon Bolton, Amir Abdullah, Zamir White, uh, Britton Brown. I mean, it didn't have anything to do with any of those cats. That is one hundred percent on twenty eight. Twenty eight is saying y'all go and stand on on the sideline. Y'all all right? And then with Amir Abdullah, I think one of his eighty seven snaps, eighty six of them have all been passing plays. Where you're just like, hey, man, they know when Amir Abdullah's in the game, it's going to be a passing play because Josh Jacobs is the only one running the ball. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, it's funny. I just talked him up. Adam Hill, I mentioned him in the in the media room just uh, about a month ago. We were talking about Josh Jacobs and him running the ball. And I remember we talked about, you know, hey, do you think Zamir White would be doing the same thing? He's like, yeah, the blocking's going good. I don't think Zamir White's doing what Josh Jacobs is doing. What are your thoughts? No, Jacobs is definitely running over expectation, but I I just missed out, I think, on the Amir Abdullah conversation. Think how surprised teams were that one time. Mm-hmm. That one time. <laughs> right, right. Like, oh, man. I think they were setting up all year for that one that one opportunity. Uh, but no, look, Josh Jacobs is playing on a different level. It's a contract year. Well, of course it is. It Guys is. Guys do this. Guys this, do this it all the time. In every sport. They do. But it, it, does this not feel special, though, what Josh Jacobs is doing? Yeah. He's but, got 930 yards. The next highest guy is Derek Carr with 67. It's, well, it's, it's like the sack stats, too. It's Max Crosby gets every sack for the team. <laughs> Josh Jacobs gets all, gets all the rushing yards. Every carry this past week for Jacobs. It feels really, really special what he's doing. And and some of the – there is – you know, I a lot of people talk about, you know, don't like – they don't love analytics and data and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There is actually analytics and data on – on running backs. I'm learning this stuff. And he is far exceeding because you, you can say, okay, look, this run was blocked for like six yards. Yeah. Like literally DeMond could go out there and get six yards on this carry. <laughs> Thank you. No, he could. But Josh Jacobs picked up 12. Right. Because he exceeded expectation. Now he did have uh, last week was the one game where he far uh, didn't reach expectation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of games where he could have had openings. He didn't take them. But that's one game. Every right. other game, he's been exceptional, uh, far exceeding those uh, those expectations, those numbers. Uh, and like I, I think the one thing that takes away, because I think we would feel like it was a lot more special if they were winning. And I know right. that, that happens with no, a lot right. of guys. Yeah, you're right. But especially the running backs, you're like, yeah, you're doing losses. But that also does make it even more impressive. This is not like, hey, we're up. 14, 17 points. Let's give the ball to Josh Jacobs yeah, right a bunch of clock. times and just run at the clock. Yeah. Like he's doing this in situations where they need the yards, where it's close games, where they're behind in some cases. So even more impressive in that regard. It's just you feel like a lot of the individual, you know, achievements are taken away just because the team is not doing that. But it shouldn't be. Like you should highlight and focus what a guy like that is doing. So you're a guy with a very level head. You don't, you know, that's not true. Let, <laughs> well, when it comes to the Raiders, I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have the <laughs> fandom to get in the way. You don't have the silver and black glasses that even at times I can get caught up in. What do you think they do with Josh Jacobs following this season? Well, I think he has played his way out of Las Vegas because he earned way too much money. Like he earned way too much money, and I don't like. But they are look. I'll give them this, and I mean the the administration of D- of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Yeah, like they're not doing what they've done in the past, where we all assumed, and I'll just say I assumed I was wrong about this. 
that they would manage Josh Jacobs and their backfield the way they've managed backfields forever yep. I thought in New the same England, thing. Yep. which is nobody's getting more than 60% of the carries. Mm-hmm. We're going to spread it around. That's why they drafted two running backs. They've got all this all this talent, all this stable of, of backs. They're going to spread it around. Yep. I thought they the did. same thing. I thought now, the same thing. Could that be? And, and what Josh McDaniel said is, hey, he doesn't want to come out of the game. He's willing to take every carry, and he's playing so well. Why take him out of the game? And that's fine. I think the the you know really 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 like dark side of my mind says hey look they're just running him into the ground right and they don't care because they're not gonna have him anymore that's what happened with demarco murray in in dallas yeah and then they let him go to philly and get a big contract and he did nothing it's the business right and it sounds it sounds gross on a human level but Mm -hmm. it's the business it is the business so like is that what they're doing they're like hey we're not gonna take any any years off the legs of our young running backs just keep giving the ball to josh jacobs and run him into the ground and let him go somewhere else sign a big contract and that's what it'll be so um that's very cynical of me but I'm pretty cynical by nature. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. That's Adam Hill right there from the RJ. But he's being honest because that's how the business works. That's I mean, that's yeah. that's what it is. We see it time and time and time again that that's what happens in the NFL, and that's where the devalue of the running back is. By the way, it also happens – like I like to put things a lot of times in perspective of actual jobs. Yeah. So like a lot more people can relate to that, I think. If you have somebody at your work that you know is going to leave you, and probably go somewhere else and probably make a whole lot more money. You're like, hey, look, let's let's throw them a hundred tasks this week. Let's make let's run them into the ground. Hey, we've only got it for a short period of time. They're not gonna hold it against us. Right. They're gonna be gone. Right. So let's just let's just give them all these tasks. And I'm not gonna make my other employees that are gonna be here for a long time upset and and drive them into the ground and drive them crazy. Let's let this guy do it. He's leaving soon. Like that that does happen in the workforce. It does. It Don't really does. <laughs> So, DeMond, about those 10 couple days off you were going to have. You were going to have. Adam Hill right there from the RJ, also on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Just happened to be Co-field company. Yeah, I'm not mad at you. It was so great. I was literally, I was just talking about the conversation me, you, and Vinny were having in the media room about Zamir White and if he can do the same thing that Josh Jacobs could and or is doing. And I don't think he can right now. But, but I do some, think he's going to be a Zamir. Point, don't you want to see it? I do. I do. I'm interested <laughs> like, in seeing it. Absolutely. If you're building to the future and they keep talking about the process and what you're building, like try to give some guys some some run and see what they've got. Yeah, but as a as a guy who's a big fan of Josh Jacobs, I want to see him carry the rock as much as possible. You have him on a fantasy team, don't you? I don't have fantasy football. Okay. I don't do fantasy right, football. Right, just checking. He's just a good guy. <laughs> I, I very much enjoy him, and, and like the honesty in his conversations is also yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know he'll he'll talk to us after losses. He'll talk to us after wins, and we know there's only been a few wins, but he'll he'll talk, and and it's the conversation is really good. We got time to go out to the phone lines real quick. Yeah, let's get nine on one Raider in. Nine on one Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks, thanks, guys. Uh, look here, thinking about Josh Jacobs, man. I, I really think we just give him a two year deal. We got a proven running back. He's leading the league by far in first down carries, which allows you to sustain drives. I'd be curious to see how a a season, or at least a half a season, with Josh, Waller, Renfro, and Adams uh, all playing together to see what could happen. Because if we don't sign him, I guarantee you Andy Reid's going to be looking at him. And if Andy Reid picks him up, we can kiss the AFC West goodbye for a while. Good stuff, man. Is that not a Raider fan's worst nightmare? Right? Is losing a talent and letting the Chiefs pick him up and all of a sudden he just he just 
runs wild over you for the next what four or five years. Well, I don't think I don't think the Chiefs are going to be investing a lot of money in a running back. That's true. Push that one out, and they also you know Isaiah Pacheco is kind of breaking out right now. Yeah. Uh, they do have Edwards Alaire who's fallen out of favor and now is hurt, but for the future, like they've got him. I don't think they're the type of the team Broncos that's might. <laughs> you know, say, hey, Broncos he runs could. really good in Denver. The Broncos could. The Broncos could. But I don't think Raiders fans are as scared as the, of the Broncos who no. are. Married to this ridiculous Russell Wilson contract now for a few years and don't have any draft picks. And Russell Wilson wants to cook. He doesn't want to hand the ball off to the running back either. Do you think it's true that Melvin Gordon was cut for no. playing a bunch of future songs? I saw that. I don't buy that. I hope it's that true. That sounds like you got ball sacked. Ah, no, well, they've, no. they've been. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm not saying. No, I'm not believing the tweet. I mean, there's some some tweets out there. I'm not like believing a report from a tweet. Oh. But it makes sense. He clearly was angry at him on the sideline. Yeah. We saw those photos. Yeah. And. They, the fumbles were there for sure. And that we know that future has been banned. That's kind of the, yeah. the scuttlebutt that's around there. I mean, the, so the, if he just goes and he's angry after the game and he's like, They did change future. the baby's name. His name used to be Future and then they changed it legally. And there's a. Which wow. was silly that they named lawsuit. him Future anyway to begin with. That was, first of all, silly. Yeah, $15 million lawsuit going on too. Yeah, so there, there's that. So Future banned from the playlist in the locker room. Melvin Gordon gets cut. I think he just played a whole bunch of Future songs. He took over the DJ, he took the aux cord. He's like, Yo, give me that aux. <laughs> He wants some future songs, and it's all over. Did the Raiders play a bunch of future at Allegiant Stadium? I don't remember. Uh, they did. Did they? Yeah. I, I would have, too. That would have that been my ultimate troll <laughs> job. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, there you go. Good stuff. 901 Raider, thanks for the call. Adam Hill, thanks for the appearance. Curtis Crabtree, Fox 13 Seattle, joins us next to talk about the Seahawks game. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a bunch of text messages. We'll be having Curtis Crabtree from Fox 13 Seattle on Sports Radio KJR joining us in a matter of seconds, talking all things Seahawks. But Jason and MD, Jason in Maryland said, Jacob's production has been too good and too important just to run him into the ground, as Adam suggested. And uh, Adam he's talking about is Adam Hill from the RJ and also ESPN Las Vegas. Had an impromptu visit here on Unnecessary Roughness, which was great. You know, I love to get everyone's opinions. And Adam said that that's uh, uh, something that he's thinking that maybe the Raiders are doing is running, running, running Josh Jacobs in, you know, at the end of the day, like a business happens a lot, that they say, okay, thank you, and, you know, now it's time to move on, and they go, he goes and signs a big contract somewhere else, and the Raiders move on with the running backs that they have. And I think he's too valuable. I think he's shown that he's so valuable for this team, but I'm also not a coach. I'm also not in the front office. So that's just me, what I think off the top of my head, not what I know as far as what's going on with the front office and the coaching staff. Joining us now on the phone lines to talk about the next team up on the schedule for the Silver and Black is Curtis Crabtree, our good friend from Fox 13 Seattle, Sports Radio KJR. And Curtis, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. The Seahawks are coming off a bye week. What was what was it that they had to get done during the bye week? Was it a matter of getting healthy, or was there something else that they had to focus in on during their bye week? I think they just needed to take the time to recover from the Germany trip and um, – take a little bit of time off and and get ready to come back for the closing stretch of the season. They play, I think, five games at home before the end of the year. They, they're here in Seattle a lot down the stretch and not traveling as much the rest of the season. So I think it's kind of a good reset for them coming off a, a little bit of a lackluster performance against Tampa in a 
in Munich and uh, get right for the closing stretch here. Do you think that any of that lackluster performance that they had had to do with the travel and just kind of being a little bit of like legs being a little heavy from that travel? Maybe. I, I don't think they would use that as an excuse. The, right. the thing that they, they pointed to as much as anything was the field. They said that the field was really tough for them to get a handle on because it was soft and coming up underneath their feet, and they struggled, struggled with traction more than Tampa did in that game. They only rushed for 39 yards on 14 carries in the contest. For one of nine on third down, the offense just didn't quite click along as, as well as they would expect, as uh, they would hope, but I mean, Seattle's coming from the Pacific Northwest to to Munich, and Tampa's coming from the East Coast. It's mm-hmm. a it's a shorter trip for Tampa. Uh, I can't say that it didn't factor at all. They went over a day earlier than Tampa did, so I don't think like it was a time change thing that would right. have affected them all that much. I just don't think they they got things going until the second half of that game, which. I mean, not shocking for a Pacific Coast team that was playing at six thirty in the morning. You know, Pacific <laughs> yeah. Coast time. It's I wouldn't shock. You. I mean, I was, I was dragging ass trying to just get up and watch that game at that point in the day. I didn't have to play in the thing. So <laughs> right. I heard that. Again, Curtis Crabtree is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I saw where DK Metcalf was talking about Tyler Lockett, which is his running buddy there in the wide receiver room, saying he's the most underrated wide receiver in the league. And I remember when Lockett came into the league out of K-State, he was really a punt returner, kick returner guy, special teams ace. How much have you seen him grow from his time there in Seattle? He's a fantastic receiver, and he doesn't get enough credit. Um, He... He uh, is a fantastic route runner, has really good hands, really rare that you'll see him drop one, though he did drop a touchdown earlier this year. In the fr- I think it was the first game against Arizona and came back and answered it uh, for, I think, the game winner in that contest, if I remember right. Um, he he knows when to get down to avoid big hits. He's had, I think he's missed one game in his career due to an injury, and that was due to a broken leg late in the year. I think it was 2017 or so. Um, so he's durable. He's always out there. He plays with the little nicks and bumps and all those sorts of things, and he just finds a way to continue to produce. And he gets o- he gets more open than just about any receiver that I can remember watching regularly here. He finds a way to get deep and get open, find holes in the zone to get open. He creates separation, and that's all you can ask for at this level, and he finds a way to do it regularly. Again, we're talking to Curtis Crabtree here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on the Say Rough. This my man DeMond's got one for you. Speaking of injuries, how have the Seahawks recovered since Rashard Penny's injury and him being placed on IR? It's helped a lot that they've had a Joke Walker Award winner who's taken up the uh, <laughs> right. the the, uh, <laughs> the starting uh, role for him in Ken Walker. Ken's been terrific. Last week in Tampa was the first time they've really not seen him be successful. And like I said, they pointed a lot to the the turf conditions there that they struggled to get a handle on as for being part of the issue and the fact that they just couldn't convert on third downs to stay on the field to get more rushing attempts going uh, in that game. But, yeah, he's been fantastic. And you watch him run. I think the thing that when I watched him in practice back in training camp and sort of thing, the, the kind of it factor in his game to me is just how quickly he gets to speed. Like he can kind of shuffle in the backfield a little bit, but then when he goes, he's up to speed really quickly. And I think that's the thing that – stands out most when you watch him kind of run the football. He's he's a fantastic running back for sure. You can see you can see his traits come through very easily when he's out there playing. He's he's had a number of big runs for them, big carries for them. He seems to despite his somewhat smaller size that he gets strong late in the games after, you know, taking 15 carries, he still is pounding it well and runs through guys and um can be a factor for them late in ball games, which I think is another thing that they really like about him. He's been a really good piece for them. We all know the old adage, the run sets up the play action. So how much play action do the Seahawks actually use? 
they use a decent amount. I think part of that's because, unlike with Russell Wilson the last several years, Geno Smith is more willing to be under center, which helps, I think, in the play-action game more so than anything. Like you, you can do it out of shotgun, but it's more effective when a quarterback can turn his back and get, get the hand ex- extended out there for a back to play off. I think it holds the linebacker level that little bit more effectively, and it's something Geno's pretty good at working through. And so they definitely do employ that. I don't think you necessarily have to have a successful running game all the time for play action to be effective. Of course, it helps if you do. And 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 Seattle is certainly uh, more um, willing to go back under center this year. And I think that's kind of helped their play action numbers pick up a little bit as well. And Geno's been really good in those areas when they uh, asked him to go to it this season. Curtis Crabtree is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Seattle Seahawks. And so, Curtis, with Geno Smith having a really good season, Kenneth Walker doing really well at the running back position, does it allow Seattle to kind of go back to their old, really successful ways of just kind of pounding the rock and then setting up the, like you said, play-action pass and hitting that big shot to either DK or Tyler Lockett? Pete Carroll is a head coach that definitely wants to run the football. But they're actually their pass rates are pretty high, particularly on like first down situations. They're throwing it more than I think people understand. Like they are willing to have Geno let it rip and get the ball out there. I mean, they've got two terrific targets in, in DK and Tyler. They're going to use them. They're very happy with their trio of tight ends that they have in Will Disley, Noah Fant, and Colby Parkinson to be factors in, in the passing game for them. They run out of three tight ends. I think as much as anybody in the league, which will then call upon them to find those tight ends when they do the play action out of those situations. And so they they are still absolutely willing to throw the football, but having that running game uh, to, to work behind too certainly uh, lessens some of the load on Geno. It will give him better better looks when they do go to those play action moments and having the receivers that they do in DK and Tyler is certainly a, a nice piece to have. This doesn't have anything to do with this week's uh, this week's game, but is Geno Smith the guy there moving forward or, or do you think he's the guy right now? It's a really good question. Um, he has done through the, the first you know, 10, 11 weeks of the schedule absolutely enough to put himself in a position to be the guy for at least the next couple years. Exactly what that contract would look like, I don't know. Like I, I've, I've looked at the contracts of other guys around the league. I think Tannehill was what a twenty-nine five average up until Kirk Cousins at thirty-five. Matt Ryan's in there at about thirty. Like just as a ballpark bench number, like three years, thirty-three. You know, basically three years, a hundred million. I think is mm-hmm. a, is a good starting point for discussions in his deal. That's not based on anything other than my own supposition, so don't think that's reporting up it. <laughs> right. But it's, uh, you know, do they decide it's worth drafting a quarterback this year because they're going to have a high pick because Denver stinks. Um, they still could go down that road. So do you try to overlap it a little bit where you give him a three-year deal and give um, a rookie a two-year runway to learn behind it and then pass it off? That's certainly something you could do. I, I, as a thing I think of, I, I think it benefits both sides to wait until the end of the season to figure out exactly what this year looks like in totality. Because the thing I remember back to is when Ryan Fitzpatrick got off to a really hot start with the Buffalo Bills 2010 to 13, somewhere in that range, and they rushed out about week seven and gave him a long-term extension, and it kind of fell apart on him. I think it benefits both sides here to see what the full – season's um, workload is if teams successfully adapt to him some way, somehow. I don't think they will. Like, if you watch Gino, it all looks right. Like, it doesn't seem fluky or anything like that. He's playing very good football. Um, but the franchise tag will factor into it a little bit. I think that's about $30 million a year for a quarterback. Um, that would be the benchmark to start 
discussions at and where it goes from there. He's put himself in a position to where it's definitely a discussion point, which I don't think many people would have thought of before the start of the year. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. He knows Smith. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That I wanted to ask you about is this Seahawks defense. Now, I know it's not the Legion of Boom, but Tariq Woolen has five interceptions on the season, tied for second in the league. How has this Seahawks secondary looked this season? It's come along uh, a lot better in recent weeks. They got off to a slow start. Uh, they switched to a 3-4 scheme from the longtime 4-3 scheme that Pete Carroll has run here with Clint Hurt taking over as defensive coordinator. It's not, it wasn't a massive shift. It was just kind of a technique change as much as anything because they kind of ran a hybrid defense. But they struggled up front, which in turn hurt them in the back end. Jamal Adams goes down week one with an injury. They had to figure out how to adapt to that a little bit. You have some rookie growing pains with Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. As good as they've been, there's been some bumps in the road along the way. But Ryan Neal has come in and filled the Jamal Adams role really nicely for them at strong safety. That's helped kind of bring everything together. Tariq's jumped up big time on the right side. Mike Jackson, a guy who's been in the league a little bit but hadn't really got a chance, has played really good football on the left side. And they've kind of meshed together well as a unit to where they play pretty good football on the back end now. And the defense as a whole has looked a lot better since they made that switch coming out of, I think it was the Saints game when they lost 39-32 on the road after giving up 41 to the Lions the week before that. That's when they changed their technique up front and all the whole defense kind of started to come together and, and play off of each other a little bit better. So that's where the defensive turnaround really kind of happened. They've been one of the better defenses in the league since they made that switch, and the guys in the back end are definitely a big part of that. But when it comes to stopping the run, in all four losses, the Seahawks have given up over 150 rushing yards. So do you see that being like that up front on the defensive line that is an issue for the Seahawks? Where is their issues lie when it comes to stopping the run? Yeah, that's been their biggest problem early on in the year. They've only had one of those big performances since they made that switch with the front to go to more one-gap penetrating style as opposed to trying to play two-gap stuff up front. That was the change that they made coming out of that Saints game. And so it was only Rashad White and the Bucks Buccaneers, who coincidentally had the worst rushing attack in the league going into that game, uh, that have been able to find that success. They were able to shut down Saquon Barkley. They were able to shut down the Cardinals twice over that stretch. Um, for their running backs, that is. Kyler got some success in the scramble game, but not from the running back position. They've been much better in that regard. But uh, same sort of thing, whether it was the footing of the defensive line um, in Munich or whatever, they talked about that quite a bit as being an issue that they struggled with over there. We'll see if that was kind of a one-off, some of the unique circumstances, or if it is something that is more concerning for them for the long term. Because you're right, if when they struggled to stop the run, that defense struggled. It seemed like they made a shift after that Saints game with the change that they made to the scheme up front. But you just kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit coming off that Tampa performance to see, okay, what do we make of that? I think that'll be curious to watch going forward here the next few weeks. Yeah, especially with Josh Jacobs coming to town. <laughs> right, Josh yes. Jacobs has been was quite good. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, to say the least. Again, Curtis Crabtree is our guest here on uh, Radio Nation Radio 920 on Necessary Roughness talking all things Seattle Seahawks. We just got a couple more questions for you. I had a, a texter call, uh, text us in and say, Q, can you ask if uh, he expects the Seahawks to make any adjustments against opposing tight ends and if there's any concern about Foster Morrow? Uh, I think they've generally handled tight ends pretty well this year. Okay. Um, so I don't think they're going to make uh, – Seattle's a team that in general through the years kind of does what they do. I, they don't make it like whether it was not having Richard Sherman travel 
and go cover a number one receiver all the time. They kind of play the defense that they play. So are they going to have to keep an eye on a, on a top tight end when, when they face one? Sure, absolutely. But I don't think they're a team that makes massive adjustments to what they're doing based on their opponent unless there's a real big reason to do so. They kind of play what they play and, and hope that their guys can kind of uh, handle the situation that's going forward. And um, Jordan Brooks has had a pretty good year taking over as the, the starting middle linebacker from Bobby Wagner. That's an area of the field that he's got to patrol well. Cody Barton's had some ups and downs as the second linebacker there when they're not playing their big nickel packages. He's the guy that's in the lineup uh, in the middle of the defense there as well. It's something they're going to need to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, their big concern is going to be stopping Josh Jacobs, though. That's going to be first and foremost in their mind. Right, no doubt. And you mentioned, uh, you know, changing up what they do if it's a big deal. Devontae Adams, he's a big deal. Uh, how do you think that the Seahawks, uh, they def- the, they decide to defend him? Uh, they'll probably roll coverage his way a little bit when they can. Um, hope that when Tariq Woolen matches up against him, his athleticism is able to help out there a little bit because he is an absurd athletically gifted person uh, at cornerback, but he's still learning a little bit, and Devontae is as good as it gets. Pete Carroll said as much here a little bit ago at his press conference that he's as good as they're going to see all year uh, at that wide receiver spot. And so you, you roll stuff that way to force somebody else in the passing game to beat you. And that seems to be an issue that the Raiders have had this year, yeah. finding that other piece in the offense that can be the, the target to kind of step up and, and carry the mail there. I think Seattle will definitely be very, very aware of where 17 is on the field throughout the game on Sunday. So you don't expect them to have anyone kind of shadow Devontae, just kind of play their sides? Yeah, they'll play their sides and, and, and go that way about it. Now, if they, if they start running him into the slot and have some issues there, maybe they have to make an adjustment to some of the things they do, the type of coverages they run, it, those sorts of things. But I would not expect uh, either of the cornerback spots to flip-flop or go travel with them or anything like that. There it is right there. Great stuff. Curtis Crabtree, Fox 13, Seattle Sports Radio, KJR with us. Uh, what do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Give us a little bit more of an update on who the Seattle Seahawks are going to be this week. Well, uh, just jumping back into things off my bye week here as well, coming back from sunny <laughs> Phoenix, uh, getting some time out of this rain for a little bit. There you go. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll pick things back up, I think, tomorrow. Uh, with uh, They're getting Trey Brown back from the uh, physically unable to perform list. He tore his patella tendon last year. He's a cornerback who started a few games for them, were, was uh, getting up to speed for them a year ago, looked good before he went down with the injury that he had. His return was part of the reason that Seattle let Sidney Jones go here a couple mm. weeks ago yep. before he landed uh, down there in Las Vegas. So um, them getting him back is big. And I'm, I'm kind of curious how this late season buy is going to play for their rookie class, which has played a ton. You know, rookies have such a long time coming uh, into their first season. They have to go through the pre-draft process, through all the, the off-season work. They don't get necessarily an off-season through their first rookie year, and then they're playing as much football as they ever do. So I think keeping an eye on what those guys do here going forward the last quarter of the season is going to be a big thing for Seattle. There you go. Great stuff. Well, Curtis, thanks so much for your preview, my man. I definitely appreciate you every time you uh, give us a few minutes of your time. Thanks again. Enjoy the weekend and have a great holiday. No problem, guys. You too. Take care. There he goes. Curtis Crabtree, Fox 13, Seattle Sports Radio, KJR, at Curtis underscore Crabtree on Twitter. 2.50 is the time. We'll come back, get to some of these texts. Uh, What do you think the plan will be with running back Josh Jacobs? What do you think the plan should be with running back Josh Jacobs? Let us know about about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 in Houston will join us at the top of the hour to talk all things NFL. We'll ask him the question, what does he think the Raiders do with Josh Jacobs? What should they do with Josh Jacobs, who's definitely earned a contract, a huge, massive contract? 
Will it be with the Raiders or will it be with another team? That's the question to be asked. And the only reason to really ask the question is because, well, you knew when the fifth-year option wasn't wasn't picked up by the Raiders. You thought, okay, this will probably be his last year with the Raiders, and you didn't know what kind of season he was going to have. And all, all he's done is become the third leading rusher in the in the league right now, only behind Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley. It's pretty sticking good. 930 yards, seven touchdowns on the season, over 250 yards receiving on the season. I mean, he's he's doing everything. It's like 89% of the carries are all Josh Jacobs. So just want to throw it out there. Knowing what he means to this team this year, me personally would hate to see him not be here next year because I think he's a key cog to the mix. But that's just me. That's why we're asking you. Glenn in San Jose said, uh, maybe management just wanted to see firsthand how good Josh really is. I don't think that they let him go. He's just too valuable. Happy Turkey Day to both of you and your families. That's Glenn in San Jose. And that could be it. That very well could be it. Hey, they declined a fifth-year option because they assumed that the running back was going to do just like running backs kind of typically do. And they were going to do the running back by committee. But as I said earlier in the show, I feel like that they, and when I say they, they changed their mind because Josh Jacobs made them change their mind by not coming off the field, by being so productive. Josh McDaniels basically said that in the clip that we played. Yep, in exactly. so few words, he basically said, hey, I was wrong about this guy. Exactly. And he's just outperformed. Joseph in Denver said they should sign him to a two to three year extension, but if the franchise, but if not, franchise tag him for sure. Can't let a player that good walk out of the building without any type of compensation. Again, that's Joseph in Denver, and the only compensation that they would get if he did walk and leave a free agency would be a compensatory pick. But when you see what he does and how valuable he is to that locker room and the leadership he provides, is a compensatory pick worth it? No. I mean, in my opinion, no. But again, it's just my opinion, and I have no problem saying I could be a little jaded because I'm a fan. Of one Josh Jacobs. Got one text. We'll take a break from the 5-3-0. Plenty of time to decide on Josh. That's an off-season decision. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> those great words of wisdom. We definitely appreciate that. No doubt it's an off-season decision. That's why we're throwing it out there. What do you think or should you do you think that the Raiders should do with Josh? And we know it's the off-season decision. But decisions are being made right now. It's November 22nd. It's the end of the season. They're making decisions on the future and the current. So, you know, we're not, we're not, I'm not, you know, cutting down the roster, doing this and that and the other, but the guy has outperformed his contract. He's, he's earned a contract. The question is, is it with the Raiders or someone else? 257 is the time. John McClain joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.